0: Hi listeners, welcome to episode 14 of Define Normal. This week's episode features Deb Renteria. A couple of weeks ago, I was scrolling Instagram and Deb posted about toxic productivity. Similar to workaholism, toxic productivity is the unhealthy relationship or obsession with productivity. In this episode, Deb and I explore how this affects us as women of color, how to practice better boundaries, and we question who benefits from this mindset because it certainly isn't us. Deb is a marketing professional who currently works on the multicultural marketing team at HBO, where she focuses on creating experiences to organically gauge diverse audiences and elevate top priority programming. Deb is originally from Long Beach, California, and attended the University of California at Berkeley. She's a proud first-generation Mexican-American and the co-founder of La Nova Link, a community for Latinx creatives and media professionals. Now let's get into my interview with Deb.
1: Welcome to the show, Deb. Yes, well, thank you so much for inviting me and for having me. I'm good. It's been a lovely day in New York City, so I can't complain.
0: How are you? I'm doing well. I am so excited to get into this topic. It all started when I saw an Instagram post of yours where you were basically calling out that you hate it here. I love that. I love that term, like I hate it here. (laughs) Toxic productivity. And like you were talking about just like, how it happens, like who benefits from it, and like, why we feel like we're not enough in the workplace. And I thought that was such an interesting pose. So I had to have you here to speak about it. So before we get into that, because there's a lot to say, um, I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Like, where are you from? What do you do? Deb I am a multicultural manager at HBO. I am from originally from Long Beach, California, but I'm currently podcasting from Harlem, so I'm in New York right now. I'm a manager at HBO on my daytime, and then my hustle, I am the co-founder of La Nueva Link, which is a collective for Latinx professionals um, to connect, empower each other, um, and I'm really excited to be here. But this post, um, it was crazy because I'm always on Canva for just like my work stuff with La Nueva Link, and I just, it was in my heart, I think I had, gone to a friend's birthday and, um, her friend. So a friend, a mutual friend was just talking about this idea and how it showed up in his new role, um, and how he just is, is realizing how he was just realizing himself, like how he's approaching the work and, and then just all that. So that kind of like, he, he like put the seed in me and I think I was just also realizing in my own work. So yeah, it was like, let me go to like Canva pick like the pettiest the pettiest, I don't know, just like outline for content that I feel like will just be very like attention grabbing. And then I just started writing and then I posted it. I was really shocked at the reception um, and how many people, well, one, like how many people shared it and then how many people were commenting and just felt so seen by that post. And I just really, I was thankful to just bring that out because I, with that post, all I did was just kind of ask questions, right? Like the questions that I'm just sitting here like, who does benefit from this? Why is this happening to us? As opposed to just giving like how I work through toxic, like it, it wasn't a how to because I'm still figuring it out. It was more of like bringing it to the table and figuring out just collectively, like how are we doing with this? And it just resonated with so many people, which is crazy.
0: It really did. It resonated with me. It's something I've been thinking about often. And right now I'm with my grandparents. And so I was actually talking to my grandma before we hopped on. And she's like, what is your podcast about this week? And I'm like, it's about toxic productivity. Keep in mind, my grandma's in her 70s. And she has no idea what toxic productivity is. When I described it, she said to me, I kid you not. So like doing your job. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not like doing your job. It's like, to the point where your mental health is almost in question. So if you could define toxic productivity, like what would you, how would you describe it as I tried to describe
1: it to my grandma? Just this incessant need to constantly be moving and producing um, at a crazy rate to feel value, to provide value to oneself. So this is, I just, in my head, it's more of a visual, like a gift, like just constant motion to know, like to no end just, just producing to produce. Um, and when I think of that immediately, I'm like, Oh, that must be a, that, that must be like a hell of a thing for companies. Like, please produce, please keep going. Um, please do it to feel satisfied. Please do it.
0: A hundred percent. Like when you ask the question in your post, who benefits from this, it's like, they benefit from it. Like we are not benefiting from this constantly going, always getting pings, always getting emails, not being able to sign off. I want to ask you, first of all, like, how is that playing a role in your current job? So when it comes to toxic productivity, how does that manifest for you? Is it always work stuff? Is it you're always grinding on your side
1: hustle? What does it look like? I see it and I feel it more in my in my daily, I think, like work life. Um, and there is that balance of like. You you are getting paid to work, right? Then there's the like, well, one more hour or I'll, I'll, I can do this um, at the expense of something else personally um so i know for me it, it it shows up when i'm choosing to just continue to do work and i'm almost like proud of it like i'm almost like no but I, have, I like i have a long night at work but it's fine it's fine because i'm justifying doing that and so for me it shows up where my boundaries and the the like even if i had a really good like Even if I came into the space being like, I'm going to set boundaries. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to have like my habits. I'm going to like log off at this time. I'm going to eat dinner at this time. I'm going to work out. Like I'm just going to do that. But every time I keep choosing them, I keep choosing the work to feel like it almost provides me with a bit of a sense of um, a higher sense of self. Like I feel more um, successful. I feel like I did something. I feel like um, if if the work week if I wasn't stressed out or like tired or spent, like the idea of being spent is crazy to me now. But there were some weeks that I'm just like, that was kind of the thing like, oh, how are you doing? I'm spent and kind of like, I did a lot, you know? And that's how it's been showing up for me and then You know, I also think of, and I've had to have a hard conversation with myself or a hard look because even now being a co-founder and doing something on the side and like understanding that that is a commitment to, to the work and the community that I'm creating, but also to my co-founder, right? So like, I can't decide that I'm just going to do less this week. So I think when I go into endeavors like that, I have to realize like, am I doing this out of like, it aligns with my mission or because I had three extra hours in a week and I just needed to fill them. And so that's on, on the personal side, how it, how it comes, um, how it shows up to, and I have to question it. Like, am I doing this out of just this? I need to feel like I'm doing something or is like, am I really called to do it? Like, and I often see that, especially with La Nueva Link, because it starts to help people. It starts like, it's almost like the community I'm building starts to tell, tell me that, okay, this is worth it but I can, I feel like I've done previously, I've just done things to just do them. Right. Just to fill the time and to
0: say you're busy. I think you made a really good point there. There's this self importance and and bragging and badge of honor of like, I'm really busy. Like I have a lot of meetings today. And then I have a lot of work to do and the work I do is really important. And I stay up and I miss dinner and I don't call friends or whatever it is you're missing to say, like, I did this, I'm busy, like, look at what I'm doing. And I've had to unlearn that too because it comes off in the reverse when I see friends doing it, it comes off as very like self important. Like, none of us are curing cancer. Like, I just don't love it when I'm on the other side and I hear a friend saying, oh, I just have so much to do, like, so heads down. And it's like, I mean, what is it that we do that's so, <laughs> that is so important in that sense? Um, so that's really interesting too, being able to see it in other people.
1: It actually reminds me out of a lot of comments, someone did go that route. And I remember, especially like, this is kind of one of those buzzwords. It's like, I don't know if they were calling it toxic productivity, but they were saying like, I don't know, these quotes are now like, don't like being busy is not the new whatever, or it's not like a badge of honor. or It's not that. And so she, you know, I had someone comment, like, you know, sometimes I think it it came from that space of like, sometimes people just do it to feel Um, important. And then the other side, like an empathetic side of me, which I'm like, go my therapist, because we're working on that, um, made me feel like, yes, but how sad or how intense is it for that person that really feels like they need to sacrifice their personal, their friendships, maybe their love lives to feel that they, they need to be, they need to produce, they need to be doing to then feel like they're worthy. So I I took the flip side of it of like, yes, I can see how someone can be almost like arrogant, but I'm also then, then I push it further and I'm like, well, what's going on with them that they might need to feel that way, right? That they can go to their friends and say like, my work is way more valuable than this. Like there's something going on there that that person needs to kind of unpack because I would say like, I would have more empathy for that person rather than just be like, she's too busy. Mainly because I've been that person I literally which was low um, this past summer I like went to a hangout with my friends at back at home and I took my laptop because I needed to finish work and I, I left the hangout and I realized I spent a lot of it on my laptop and I realized like at that moment work was feeding me more than my friendships and that is not okay. I love what you said about empathy, though, because I think it's easy to be upset with people and kind of hold it
0: against them when they have those moments of like kind of self-righteousness and justifying how unhealthy the work cycle is. And it's very easy to be like, fine, if that's how you feel, like whatever. But you're right, I think there is some empathy there because it goes into my next question, like a lot of this toxic productivity is about proving yourself, right? And it's about showing that you're worth it in this space. So you talked about how this manifests for you at work how do you separate proving yourself from your productivity? Like, how are you able to find space to say, "I am worthy. I'm great at my job, but I don't have to. Ru- I don't have to run myself to the ground to
1: show people that." I think I had to learn, and really shout out to to therapy and especially therapists of color, who just understand um, the dynamics and the nuances of being a person of color in these spaces. I had to understand like where. Like the intention behind a lot of things and where a lot of things were coming from. And I think there was a moment where I started to realize, and my therapist really pointed out, how many of the things that I'm doing is coming out of this place of fear. So fear that for whatever reason, um, and I truly think is for me, it's cultural, is fear of like I could lose my job at any time. I, because of the lack of visibility, because i've I've been, you know, the only in certain places or been othered even when I haven't been the only, you know, you start to clock the way people are treating each other and you start to realize like, oh, got it, this is where I'm at in life. This is how people view me. For whatever reason, you know, I started to internalize all that. And so my work starts to come from that place. So come from a place of fear. Um, And then the way I show up is proving. So everything I'm doing is proving. Whereas I I feel potentially some of my colleagues or friends or peers that might have more privilege. Or I always say like safety. There's a like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And he talks about how like safety is like a fundamental thing before you can even reach um, self-actualization. I'm like, for some of us, safety is not a given or a guaranteed. So... I'm not operating from that place. So I have to kind of create that safety. But awareness is important. Like knowing that that's something that's missing for me is important. Um, So, yeah, I think I've realized that a lot of what I'm doing is proving myself. So what someone would be, it's my normal work day. I'm actually everything I do. My output is to show you that I belong here because I don't believe that I belong here. So which is it's it's insane. It's a crazy amount of work that I'm doing on top of the job. I feel I always think like if I had safety, if my only job was to just do the work, I'd be a rock. I'd be a rock star.
0: (laughs) I think about that often, like as women of color, I mean, because first of all, like being a woman in the workplace is one thing, like being a woman, like women go on mat leave and I hear the craziest things that people say, oh, is she going to be able to do this? And like, I don't even think they mean the bias sometimes, but this, this natural bias of like you've taken on this role of mother. So this job is secondary. Um, and then adding the nuance of us being women of color, there's this, there's like this double edged sword of us worrying about how we're seen as women, but also how we're seen as women of color and not having that safety. Because I often think if I only had time, exactly what you said, if I only did the work, if I wasn't worried about ERGs, if I wasn't worried about how I'm presenting, if I wasn't worried about like just even my credentials. So you work at these jobs with people who are from families where people have worked in these spaces before, or they like are from major tech companies or whatever it may be. And you're like, I don't even have those credentials. Like I very much like went to state school in Ohio. So like sometimes I'm like, wow, should I be in this room with kids who went to Harvard or MIT or wherever the, whatever the places may be? So you made such an important point with like the safety of it all being the benchmark of like, am I good? And And I think there are things beyond identity of like, us being women of color or us being women, sometimes it's things like it is your school. It is like your social and economic status. It also can be just like being new to a company. Like we work in very high performing spaces. And when you're new, it's like, it's easy to do this like toxic productivity because it's like, they're not gonna think I'm doing anything, especially in the, the virtual world where we can't see
1: what you're doing, which adds a whole nother layer. It really does. I, I actually didn't even think of that. Like how, or how much chaos is like not being present, right? Because I also there's this thing that I had in my head too. Like I have to be at my desk. Like I have to be at my desk, like working, and people have to see me working, or else they're you know. And how much I don't know how li- maybe liberating it has been for people um, to be able to know that they don't have to. You don't have to be seen. You know. You you have to figure out other avenues to share your your work your output
0: yeah the actual work and a leader said recently people can be lazy right in front of you and i loved that quote because it brought up the idea that like we don't have to be in front of each other to do the work people can give the the i don't know facade that they're doing so much by being at their desk and typing and showing up to work on time but they could do nothing right in front of your face and i could be doing a world of work from my house And I didn't even think about it when you said about like being at your desk, that's something that is so real. Like I remember at a company I worked at like years ago, I was working at this media company and everyone got to work like at a certain time. Like if you weren't at work by like nine 30, the vibes are kind of off. If you got up to leave, if you got up to leave before six, it was like, where are you going? Like you almost had to have somewhere to be. Yeah and i'm like this is my job i'm a grown woman like I i feel like i can't leave like and i think that plays into it too because a lot of these things aren't innately my personality i've picked them up in corporate environments i
1: i mean as you're saying that i'm i'm thinking like how's how has COVID made me feel and i can't say that it's given me more stress if anything it almost has flipped the systems at play a bit the ways that people were looking at productivity have changed and almost the virtual nature and the fact that like I we could kind of pop into a meeting with like someone real high above or I have to be way more present and and share and speak up in meetings, right? Like I just think in some ways for me, the covid of it all has like shifted how I have to share my output and it's almost also I think has melted away a lot of my anxiety, either that or I'm growing, but I actually have not felt worse being away. Even though I am saying like we do, those things come into play for us. Like how are we showing and signaling to people that we're here, that we're doing the work, right? Like, um, and I wonder if it's because because of COVID you have to speak up, right, in these meetings. No, you have to turn on your camera, they have to see you. Yeah, COVID, the whole thing about like turning on your camera, that's
0: something I was saying too, that can play into, this like toxic productivity because it's like, we have a lot of meetings. Like I on an average day, I have maybe four 30 minute meetings and one hour meeting. So that's five meetings. And I don't wanna be camera on all the time. If you schedule through my lunch, I wanna make lunch in the background. If it's not a one-on-one, if it's not just us talking, if it's a team meeting, I gotta turn the camera off. I gotta make some food. I don't wanna eat on the cam. Like it's a lot, <laughs> I think that, you I, we often think about like what people will say if you're not doing certain things like it's tied to this weird perfectionism that goes in tandem with toxic productivity because it's like what if my parent I, I was like living with my parents for a good amount of quarantine what if my parents walk behind the camera what if they can hear my dad on a call like I'm in this like at home I'm in this hot pink bedroom that I've kind of made my office and it's like it doesn't really look professional. There's like a bed behind me. And so, so much of that goes into my mind during calls, which is ridiculous. I'm doing my job, who cares?
1: No, yeah, I just think COVID flipped it all. I wonder, I, I wonder if it's for the best.
0: I think in a lot of ways it is, but I also like wanna talk about how a lot of this comes from the top down. So when you think of ways that leadership can kind of unravel this toxic productivity, like what are ways that you could see leaders stepping up to make us, feel less of this pressure? Because I really do think if they behave differently, we would behave differently.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm also curious how many people at that level resonate with this idea of toxic productivity, or how many people like your, your grandparents would be like, isn't that just doing your work? I feel like I've, I've definitely peeped it with some, you know, just some people in different generations where they're used to doing a certain kind of they're used to doing work a certain kind of way. And I don't know, I can't like, I don't know what it is about our generation. I also, for me, it's also been like how incessant work has been, especially during this time that I'm like, whoa, something has to give. But I do, I do agree. I feel like how much of the, what we are doing is really based on what the behavior that people are are, are doing and are signaling signaling to us that that's the way to get work done, that that is the only way to, to function or that is the only way to get your visibility, the only way to move up. So I often have to find myself thinking and asking, like, is who I am looking at as like, you know, someone that I'm, because I'm, I'm typically like that because I'm like first generation corporate America, I'm constantly like, who do I, who can I, what parts of different people can I emulate? Can I pick up? um not to like be fake but to understand like okay this is what's acceptable this is the kind of language this is this is violent this is this this is that um but i do have to question like making sure that whoever i am looking to um to to try and be to learn from that they are not actually just passing down bad behavior and i think for a large part i've got to say a lot of people who have been in these industries are just are continuing that and passing that along. And I think I think everyone has to take a, a hard look at that because it's not sustainable. And I wonder too, like, as new companies start to form, and I think of tech companies, you know, I've spent some time th- at, at a tech company and I'm like, they're approaching things a bit differently. They're whether or not they're actually changing, maybe they still got a long way to go, but they're talking about things. They're using language that I would feel like is way more um, progressive um and so i wonder if these older companies don't get it together they're going to lose their talent to companies that are are trying to have these kinds of conversations and meet their um talent and their employees where they're at but gotta be careful because these people hurt people hurt people someone told me passing down bad behavior
0: hurt people do hurt people these bad behaviors have been just like going on and on i think when you work in media, as I did for part of my career, you almost normalize it. Like I normalized the way that people work nonstop. And I, and also just like, I don't know this weird, like burnout Olympics to what you brought up earlier of like, I've been working really hard, Well, I've been working really hard too. And I'm dying and it's been a long week. And then you like, there's more bad behavior. Cause it's like, let's like go drink and like spend all of this money and then like repeat the cycle. And I'm like, I, I think covid for me has made me realize like i'm kind of like that's a little miserable like i want to have good times not in spite of my job like i i want to just have good times because life is good and we live in new york city and we're young and i'm having a good
1: time not because work's crazy like i need to drink like it's very weird what also ends up happening is you might start to realize, like, that's not the life you want to lead, right? And then you decide you're going to put boundaries. And then you're like, way aggressive. (laughs) Like, it's like, whoa, that's Shelby, like, that is that is like, so not normal. It's not normalized. And so then you become the person that's like the weird person on the team when actually, you're doing and setting an example for a lot of people. So I feel like I always say this too. like one, if you're going to be a leader and a people manager, like, take the time to put in the work. And like, really ask if you're willing to continue to grow, right, so that you can continue to strive to be a good person, because leaders and and managers are actually are are incredibly important um, in the workplace, and so yeah, if you're not going to be open to, uh, I guess like taking a look at how your behaviors is, is is like essentially ruining people's lives, like it's your life, um, and and so I'm just thinking, you know, I think people need to be way more aware of uh, aware of that. And also way more open to different forms of working, you know, if someone does come to you and are like, I'm going to leave at at six, at 630, but I'm be on, I'm going to do my work. Like, how as a leader, can you support that understand, like, you might feel a way about it, but it's because you yourself are maybe not doing it. So let's to get like together, that person can help you also put some boundaries. So it's, um, it's interesting, because yeah, if you're in a, in a team that isn't practicing this stuff, you might come off as like, oh, this person doesn't do the work, isn't willing. No, this person has bound, like we should all have boundaries. We could all be
0: better off. We could all be better off with boundaries. And I think boundaries make you a better person. It makes your life more sustainable. I'm already that weirdo friend who has boundaries. People are like, wow, I can't believe you're saying that. But I'm very much like, past a certain hour, I don't work. Like, unless something's on fire, please don't contact me. Like, I don't care. I'm not looking at it. And for me, I put that boundary in place because I will start to resent my job. Like I've done this before where I'm always on and I'm always available, but I'm like, we are not curing cancer. Leave me alone. And So I think it's become very evident. Like I don't work weekends. I don't work past a certain time. And I think of work as like college, right? You know, in college where you get a syllabus at the beginning of the semester, and some professors don't care what you do as long as when the class wraps, when the semester wraps, like your stuff is done. And I have tried and I've been successful so far to work with managers kind of in that way of like, what are the things that must happen? Like I've asked my manager, Hey, what, what is like top priority right now for you? What is, this would be nice to have. And what is like a non goal? Like I I'm thinking about it, but if it doesn't happen, it's fine. And I've organized my work in that way so I can just know, like, when I'm kind of on some BS where you're just like working on non goals to be busy, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. Shelby, that's a non goal. <laughs> like, just a reminder so you stop being such a psychopath. Cause sometimes we convince ourselves that everything's a 911 and it's truly just not
1: at all. I love that perspective. And it's really showing me that you know yourself to know that you are the type of person that works well with goals right? So you are setting up your goals. You're asking at the top what's needed because you're going to run and you're going to do it because you're going to set your boundaries. What I realized, um, and I think came to light and and it's again, just like work with my therapist that I've been doing just internal work. I recently just started seeing a, a professional coach. So just even that, that that's bringing up, but I'm realizing like the productivity is so attached to my mental health, like, and maybe even a lot of my trauma. And so I have to be aware of the ways that I work and how they actually create systems that enable me to just continue working all the time and serve somebody else, not serve me. Serve me in the sense of like, almost like getting another hit so I feel valuable, but they're really serving the man at the end of the day. So it's been quite interesting for me to, and actually just got to point it out this like, past few days so i'm just like mind blown but how i am because i live you know not live currently but i feel like deep down in my heart or in my in my just like childhood self i'm living in this place of of fear of feeling like i don't belong for whatever reason that i'm now creating an environment where i'm working really really hard for perfection so that i do not allow feedback in so that I'm never called out, so that I'm never other, so that I never feel less than. And and she said that and she says, and then you get feedback and you get destroyed and then you need another hit. And so you're just working, working, working really hard for perfection and it's almost, but you're always gonna get feedback and then it goes again. So it's crazy to know that that is how I operate and that is how I enter a space. My company is probably loving it because I'm killing it in their eyes, but I'm killing myself. (laughs) You know, it's important to know, but had I not known that, I could also just clock it or just like chuck it up to like, I'm just like a hard worker, or I really like to do this, or I really love my job, or I really no, no, we've got some things we have to unpack. And if we don't do the work now, I'm just gonna be, I'm really just gonna be a shell of a person. And I'm realizing, especially during this year that 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 is not acceptable. I cannot be, like, non-essential and also just, like, burnt out. Like, what What is happening?
0: No, and then you can't give anything to your side hustles, to your family, to the things you actually care about. And I think that's the most terrifying part. But you said so many important things about feeling othered and being afraid of that feedback. Because that goes back to, like, as one of women of color, I've had to find this swim lane of, like, being able to be me and it took a while. I mean, it, it wasn't something that happened right out of college. It was like being able to be me and remember like what I'm bringing to the table as Shelby that other people cannot bring and letting go of some of that perfectionism because I kind of suffered from the same thing of like getting feedback was stressful because it meant like people saw me like I will never forget. A manager at a, a media co- like a media company I worked at said to me, she just called me out like in front of other people like I didn't do something and it was just like a gross call out and I was like appalled and was on my p's and q's after that and felt like I could make no mistakes like nothing no mistakes because she said in front of other people basically like you're not doing your job correctly and. I internalize that so hard, but you, I often have to do that work again, shout out to therapy. I had to do that work of like what she thinks of me in a moment has nothing to do with my value. Like I've almost had to unlearn because I messed up one time or because I did messed up in your eyes. Cause oftentimes it's very subjective. There's no like
1: literal right and wrong in, in corporate. It's how you wanted me to do it and how I did it. I was going to say how much of what they want you to do is white supremacy. How much of that is that?
0: I mean, truly because it's their way. I think like we have to come back often to our secret sauce of like, we were brought into these jobs because we're us, our different experiences, like you being first-gen corporate America. And like, honestly, just having this point of view. That's like, this is different for me, but everything from my childhood, everything from my community I'm bringing here. And that's why I'm here. And I feel the same. Like we bring this special moment and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to have you, you can't have both. You can't hire me because I'm special and tell me I'm wrong all the time and tear me down. So like pick a, pick a lane.
1: Yeah. There's gotta be a level of discernment when you are given feedback, especially as a, as a woman of color, which is great that you were able to, to have that. I mean, terrible that she, the way she delivered it. Um, but great that you could, I don't know, take some time, however long it took you. To then come back to it and be like, okay, this is wild. <laughs> and I'm not and I rebuke it. That's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I rebuke it. Like that's not who I am. We don't have to take it. I think so much of this is not about internalizing it and letting people's thoughts and feedback of you be like who you are. It's not exactly the case. Um, you talked about having a coach, and I want to hear more about that. How has your coach helped you let go of
1: some of this toxic productivity? I just started with her and I probably just have one more session. But now moving forward I'm going to want a coach. Like I want all the tactics, I want all the tools, I want all the resources that white people with money have. That's it. You're going to bring me to the spaces to do the work. Like really let's 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 um get the bang bang out of the buck for like on all sides. Let's like let's get the most out of uh, this relationship it has been interesting. And I I just actually think it's all the work that I've been doing with my therapist, like the coach was able to and I was chatting with my friends about it, like my therapist is really helping me see holistically. And I'm feeling with this coach, she is almost like zooming in on just work, which for me is like, all of my life. Um, For now, I'm gonna change that. But like, just going to be better. Um just work, but I feel like work is a microcosm for like the way I deal with a lot of my relationships. It's it's showing me a lot. It's through that that I'm learning certain things. I'm questioning relationships. I'm questioning um how I react to things and it's it's helping me. Um but yeah, she's just almost giving me the tools to deal with a lot of the work that I'm already doing with my therapist daily. So yeah, right now just unpacking like how I view work was transformative. Like the fact that I'm like, okay, like that just happened. I wrote about toxic productivity and then this happened and now I feel like I have the answer to why I've been doing this. So I I have the answer to why and I know that I have been and I guess like that awareness now allows me to make a different choice. So I'm excited to continue working with a coach and just again, just in general in the future to just continue to put into practice what I am already working on, on a daily, on like a spiritual, like holistic level. And I also think I bring a lot to the workplace. Not only do I have like an amazing perspective that I only have, but there's also a lot of baggage that I bring a lot and I'm aware of that. And I want to be able to be, I want to be a leader, but I'm, like I mentioned, like I'm very aware of how toxic some people can be and so how I know that be me being who I am with my perspective as a leader is I'm gonna, I can do a lot of good, but it's only if I help myself first. And I want to make sure that I'm like, I'm aware of all of my blind spots. I'm aware of the ways that, um, maybe I've been learning from, or having just learning all my bad behaviors, unlearning and all that. So just started, but I'm excited to continue to do the work. Amazing.
0: I think working with a coach is very powerful, especially coupled with therapy. I worked with a couple coaches this year, and it's been awesome to just like focus. Like you said, zoom in on those goals and unlearn some of the behaviors that we learned at work, because I think you're so right with bringing the baggage. I have brought so much from my media world with me when I entered the tech space. And tech is so different. I mean, you've worked in tech, it's structured differently. We're having these conversations in a lot of ways that like other companies are not. Like if you brought up to certain managers uh, toxic productivity, they'd be like, what are you talking about? I know we're talking about it at work. And even my manager, she's so lovely. Like if she pings me late at night, she says she's sorry, like, and, and not in a way of like, I'm sorry, answer this anyway. But like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize what time it was like, like, disregard this until until tomorrow, like, it's not a thing. And I think even that has helped me in something like I would bring to a new role in a new team to be like, respect people's boundaries. I just have a thought. And that was really clarifying to me. She was like, sometimes I just have a thought and I and I ping or email the thought, but do not feel like you have to act on the thought. And her diligence around that has actually made me pick up some new habits because it's like i schedule emails productivity is really weird in covid i will wake up and be like today i'm doing everything i'm editing my podcast i'm gonna work out i'm going to all my meetings and finishing all my work the next day i might not be able to do anything i might be able to like go to three meetings and like answer five emails so when i have crazy productivity even if it's sunday night it's it's a grind i'm gonna do something and so i schedule emails so I don't bother people with my BS. Just because I'm having a moment doesn't mean you need to be at your Sunday brunch reading emails from Shelby. So I think it's also trying to protect other people and like knowing what you'd bring to a team. So if you were going to a new team, what are habits that you
1: would bring with you and what are habits that are canceled? Like, what are we not doing? I am going to a new team. I'm going to a whole new company. Um, So I'm very excited Saying it out loud, that I will be transitioning from my role at HBO and moving on to Lionsgate to be a uh, to be in that thing um, as an executive director, which is crazy. Crazy to say, I feel like I don't know how to say it because I yes, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. So yes, I think you know, like I said earlier, like having a coach, continuing to do the work. There is a lot of stuff that I want to shed. I remember transitioning from. Um, transitioning into tech was really hard for me, um, to, to just remove, because every place you enter, every job you enter, you, you, if you're doing it, I think the right way, you're like seeing the lay of the land, you're understanding the game and how it's played. And you decide every day that you're going to play it, whatever equipment you need to play it, you put it on, you come in and play it. Um, and you, you kind of play it to your advantage, of course. And so I realized like there is the equipment, the armor doesn't transition, doesn't like translate from every place right and i absolutely do not want to go in with armor with the baggage with the protection with how whatever i i did in my previous role to survive and to get ahead i don't want to bring that into the new space so i'm really excited one to take time um i was listening to life kit and heard um, about transitioning and how you should absolutely take time especially if we've been burnt out and it took me a long time and I think it's my Latinidad to be like, I'm tired of working. <laughs> I'm tired and it's okay to say I'm tired. I know I still have a long way to go and I'm really excited to continue working. I'm really excited for this role and this opportunity, but I'm tired. And in order to show up in the best way, almost like in an open in an open way, as opposed to from a place of fear or from a place of whatever, I need to take time to decompress. So I'm taking time and then to make sure that i continue to equip myself again with these tools so that is that is how i will be transitioning i also think it's a time for me to not reinvent myself again not be fake and come in completely different into a space but to set the tone about who i am going to be as a, as this employee as this leader what does it look like now if i'm um if i'm feeling a bit safer in myself because Outside is unsafe, but I feel like I'm getting to a place where I'm creating safety within myself so that I can share more of myself as opposed to prove myself. So if I'm coming in to share myself, what does that look like? My hours, I'm probably not as available and I don't want to be. I probably have, whether it's a romantic life or more of a social life where I'm prioritizing these things, where I'm making, sh- you know, like, life is going to look a little different for me. And I realize now too, I think that is also going to change the way people around me work. And I just think it's gonna, hopefully it can be a healthy environment. So when I start to build a team, hopefully they can take these lessons and they can see from example how I can live my life and make them feel like it's okay for them to, to lead a healthier life. So hopefully through that we can create just like change because we need it. <laughs>
0: I love this. I think this new rule is awesome and you deserve it and it's a big deal and I really, really hope you're celebrating. I think a lot of what you said there is just like really special. A, take a break. I think taking a break between jobs is just like essential to get that moment of clarity of like, all right, I'm ending something, I'm starting something new, like let's get my mind right. So I think like that's just the best, but also just thinking through like how you want to show up and the idea of sharing yourself. I think for women of color, it's really hard. I was socialized thinking about work, thinking about my mom, my grandparents. My mom works in in education. She's a teacher. Um, Well, she's actually now a guidance counselor, but she started as a teacher. And my mom doesn't share that much about herself at work. Like she people know she's married, she has two daughters, like they, I mean, they know very basic things about her. And so I was socialized almost to like, be like that at work, like people shouldn't know all these things about you, they shouldn't know my identity. But you know, I found like so much power and the vulnerability to like you said, share yourself, like, this this job that I'm at now has like been the most open I've ever been at work about like who I am and where I'm from and like people are listening to this podcast. When I got a new manager, one of the first things she said was, "I hit play on your podcast. I listened to the episode with your mom." I'm like, "So you uh, so you know my life. Like you like I feel like you listened to this like conversation with my mom. I mean, that episode is like just us chatting and I feel like that's really like I don't know how many, how many coworkers, moms have you met? So it's just this, uh, this idea of sharing yourself in a way that isn't almost natural, but becoming natural because there's vulnerability in that. And like, look, I'm burnt out right now. Or like I'm taking a break or like you said, I want a love life. I want a social life. Like I'm not grinding all the time. This job is just part of my life. Cause it gets sad. I'm not going to lie when I look at managers or I look at higher ups at a company and all they have is this. I'm like that's the toxicity right there. Like this could all blow up tomorrow. And if this is like this is life to you, that's terrifying and
1: I don't want that. And that's good that you can see that and see that as like that's you. That's not me. Right? And how does like of course, especially if 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 like the relationship requires y'all to work really closely. Like, how do you work with that person? How do we ensure that, you know, it's it's a good working relationship without it starting to like encroach on like you.
0: Right. It's a boundary. And keeping your peace and protecting your peace has just really been such like my motto. Cause I when I tell friends, I think they think I'm crazy. And I really hope this podcast and just like us talking to people normalizes these boundaries and these conversations because when I tell friends I have some of these boundaries at work, they think I'm nuts. And like, some of them aren't even always spoken. I'm not giving people a book of like, these are my boundaries. But like, if you ping me past 6.30, if it's not an emergency, I'm probably not responding. Like, I'm just, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, it's time for me to live my life. I've been talking to you guys since like 8.30 in the morning. Like, I have to move on with the day. And so, you know, some of them are more spoken, some of them are not, like taking your PTO in a pandemic. Like, I mean, that's like my hot tip. I think people, are not doing that because we can't go anywhere. But if you, I'm telling you a day without Zoom, it's your time. A day without Zoom is a beautiful day.
1: What are you doing to keep yourself sane? Me right now, um, I think it's been nice to, and maybe this is my toxicity speaking. Again, you gotta have discernment, but it's been nice to have La Nueva Link. It's been nice to know that like my daytime job needs to have an end time so that I can give um, to my community. And it's been, to me, that's that's a form of of, of self-care. I've, um, like, low-key kind of just jogging and walking, but taking, it's, it's gotten to the point where, like, I had time to, to do runs and miles. It's gotten to the point where, like, I have time to, like, walk around the block, but, like, the sun, the air, the elements, like, I guess those are ways that I can ground myself. So that has been keeping me sane. Um, I went to, I went to LA and just Airbnb'd in my hometown knowing my parents have a whole house and just like took some time and spent money on it, but I just needed some alone time and some sanity. So yeah, that's how I've been keeping, keeping sane. How about you? Uh, It's been a little bit of everything. So I
0: think one of the things like you said has just been getting outside and moving my body even when I don't want to. I've had to like break up my toxic relationship with exercise because in the beginning of the pandemic, everything that New Yorkers do is so extreme. And I know we're both not native. Everything I was doing was so extra. I was related so hard to those memes of like, wake up at 6 a.m. and then you go to your workout class at 7 a.m. and then you go to the office and you're at the office and you go to dinner. I'm like, how psychotic is that? And like, that was my life. So (laughs) when the pandemic started, I worked out just as hard because I thought we were going to be gone for like two weeks, like obviously not. And so I was keeping my workouts like as tough as I was you know, in normal NYC life cause we're extremists. And so I've had to change my relationship with movement cause that was getting a little toxic where like if I didn't close my move rings on my Apple watch, I wasn't productive. So <laughs> now I just take a walk. Like I like to take two laps around my neighborhood. Maybe I do a 30 minute forward space. Maybe I don't, maybe I do like a Peloton quick arm workout and call it a journey, but I no longer it's been giving me joy to move without so much like I don't know, so much pressure, so much like did you burn five hundred calories or no? Um, cooking, all that. Cooking. Yeah, I've been cooking because you know, like at tech they feed
1: you and I have taken a hiatus from cooking. I don't know how y'all do it. I was like, Y'all better send those snacks to my house? No. I know.
0: And I decided to get into kombucha over the pandemic, not knowing how much it costs when it's on tap in the office. I'm not me buying $5 kombuchas at the grocery store with my own money. So I cook now. I mean, I've always cooked, but I, I, I started failing the mission when I worked in tech. So now I'm like, she makes reels. Like I just made her like some short ribs and I had a whole reel of me doing them. So I cook, I move, I talk to my family more than I've ever talked to them in my adult life that's like my mom would my, i probably call my mom like once every two weeks in normal life which is not enough but now we talk all the time so like those are things like those are giving me joy and like just my parents center me and remind me that like my new york life is not that important i don't know if your parents do that to you but i really think i'm my own sex in the city character i'm like my friends and i we go get our 17 dollars drinks we go to fancy dinners we all have these bougie jobs and then i come home and they like sun me and they're like anyways, so like What's up? Like, like it's just, they don't care. They don't care. Like they love me regardless of all that. So I don't actually, I don't, it's very humbling to be home. So that's helped me too.
1: Well, not to get into a whole other conversation, but I've had to detach myself from like being Deb from New York who works at this place. Like that is also very tied to me with like my self-worth and I'm like, you know what? No, no, like, no, we don't have time for it. It really, the pandemic corona really put a lot of things into perspective, but I'm glad to hear that you're moving. I feel like with you're moving with empathy with, with like self compassion is how I feel like you're moving with, with your body. And I think that more of us should, should be doing that. I think so
0: too. It's better for us, like the mental health issue. And I, I just, I don't know. We don't need to punish ourselves. Not everything has to be tied. To productivity like I I can just do things as I feel like doing them and if I move for 20 minutes and I burn a hundred calories and that's it for the day like uh, sorry to report I wanted to address what you said about um, not being Deb from New York because I don't think that I don't even think that's a different topic I think that plays into this topic it's like I've thought about a lot in the pandemic what if I didn't have this job and i actually asked that question i'm trying to think of in what in what session i did i mean I, you know is it therapy was it coaching like i don't know what conversation i was having but like this idea about your brand and in the, and the company's brand and how you have to have a brand outside of it but when we got roles after school we assigned ourselves so it was like my first job after school was complex i thought i was so cool because to this day i think that brand is so you cool work. So i was like i am shelby and i work at complex and like i don't know like i don't i don't understand most people don't know me and associate me because of those things like the company is not making me but we almost allow ourselves to think that and then it goes back to the productivity of like i have to grind so i can stay here and say that i'm shelby who works at x company but i i don't you
1: and i are actually our own entities We are and we are. And and to me, I it it took me going back home, actually. And I, I went to go get tested. And it happened to be in my old high school. And I realized, like, literally, I was like, there and the guy's like, Oh, you went to school here, and it's scary. And I was like, it was so much scarier when I was in high school, actually, (laughs) at 14. This place was crazy scary for me. And to come back to it grown, it feels small, right? Like now you go into these spaces. And you're like, Oh, these places are so small. So like, harmless. Um, but I realized and it kind of clicked for me like there. I, I, I remember I was like, well, I'm going to go to Harvard. And if I go to the school, it was like the school in my zone. And I'm from the north side of Long Beach and it's just real tough. And the high school was just really bad. And I was like, well, I'm never going to be Deb that goes to Harvard if I go to this high school. And I just remember and I didn't go to Harvard. But yet I'm still here thriving. That's fine. Um, But I'm remembering, you know, it came back to me so vividly and I and I had to you know, there is where I had to make the decision of like uh, moving on to a new opportunity. And, you know, I won't be Deb from HBO like I'm always going to be Deb that left Facebook. Like it's always I, I, I just realized there was the start for me of these very real. I guess this real decision that these other things were going to make me better. And again, just the work that I'm doing to realize like I'm already good. And had I just known that as a child, for whatever reason, whatever trauma that made me feel like me alone was not good, it carried me all the way here. And I feel like for me, it's time I got to shed that because there's so much opportunity. This toxic productivity is not serving me because I'm realizing what life am I building around this? Like that's not, when I think of a legacy, I'm like, that's not it. Um, so yeah, it was, it's crazy. Cause I, I just came to terms with them and that is, you're right. Very tied to the same topic. I love that story. And I think it's like
0: there's something about going home and realizing that because there's a lot of armor to shed because a lot of it at the end of the day is like white supremacy like we don't feel we felt like those things would make us because those are the norm and that's what people are excited about so it's like if i'm deb who went to harvard that's like the comeback kid story like i'm from this neighborhood in long beach i went to harvard i have this job but it's like you didn't go to harvard and you still are slaying so you have a whole director title So it's just, I had to let that go because I was convinced. And if I knew, if I just said this to my mom, if I knew what I knew now, then watch out, like watch out. Cause I was just so like, if I do this, I'll be this. If I present this way, I'll be this. And it's like the magic the whole time was in me being me. And it's like, really, no no one can be us,
1: no one. Wild to me, wild to me that really the magic, the thing that I can monet like monetize, sounds weird, but the thing that I can walk into rooms to market every time I've interviewed or had an opportunity is my experience and myself, which is crazy. No matter how much I've tried to change that, straighten that, um, put makeup on that tone check police, like, and no matter how many times people needed me to fit into something physically. You know, they all just want, like, all all. it really was was just me, which is powerful. Really I mean, powerful. it's powerful. Like, I mean, the list
0: of accomplishments between the two of us, like, even last year, I'm like, what year was it? It was clearly last year because now it's 2021. When you won Miss Ad Color, I was like, oh, my God, I know her. Like, Deb is Miss Ad Color. Like,
1: that was just, it's just like
0: these moments where people champion you for being you. And I'm glad we've gotten there. I'm glad we've gotten there. I mean, we have a long, long, long successful road ahead of us, but like, I mean, that's the secret sauce. It's letting go of toxic
1: productivity and it's being us. And like, that's it. That's it. That's all. It's letting go of needing to be consumed by anything else that isn't like us, which sounds corny, but it really is.
0: It really is. And like, you know, the thing about going home has been, I, I look at my parents and all they really care about is us. Like both of my parents work, but like they don't, I mean, they just really care about their family and <laughs> like what they've built. They're not really like, oh my God, at work. I'm like, I love work and I'm always working. Like I don't have workaholic parents. Like when the, when the clock strikes time for my dad to close his laptop, he's like, okay, see ya. Like he doesn't, I don't have a dad that's like emailing on vacation. So I don't want to be that parent like i think even spending time with them has made me be like i'm like working i'm talking about work my mom and dad know way too much about my company after living with me i'm like and this person said on this call i can't i mean they don't they don't do that so i'm like you gotta get your shit together like it's not that deep and shelby you have great examples at home I do. It's just different. It's so different. I need to emulate them, but I think we've made it so different. Because when you think about your parents, like my mom was married by the time she was, how old was she? Like 26. I'm 27. There's not a man in sight. And it's like, to your point, work is just such a big thing because it's like, that's what I do. Like by 28, she had two kids and a whole marriage. And I was like, I'm like, oh, word. Like if I don't work, I live by myself in New York City. Like, if I'm not working, then what am I doing?
1: You're living your life. You're living your life. Well, you know, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe you are. We are because we're having these conversations. And I'm glad that at least in my circles, in your circles, um, we're having these kinds of conversations. And I know tech, I mean, I know tech is not a safe space for us. So you you are doing the best you can in a situation and making it work for you. But you just got to keep keep reminding ourselves and keep noticing when we start to veer into toxicity in all aspects and everything. Uh,
0: we're accountability so sure. partners. Now I will be texting you to yes, check let's do it. <laughs> and see where you're netting out. Um, this has been so much fun. Thank you, Deb. I think just like the conversation, the advice, the vulnerability, telling us about your life and your coach and just everything. I appreciate it. It's been great.
1: Thank you, Shelby, so much for having me. I enjoyed this conversation. And yes, we'll be accountability partners. Just text me to log off.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you liked the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.